let's go into the Word of God. I'm going to be able to start a little bit earlier than normal, and I'm grateful to be able to do that today. So go with me in your, your uh, if you have your tablets, you can follow along with us in that, as well as the screen behind me. All of the scriptures that we're going to be talking about is going to be projected, and uh, hopefully you will be able to follow along with no problem at all. We are in week three of a six-week series entitled, The End. The end. And the message today is the blessed hope. I want to talk to you today about the blessed hope. In fact, I'm going to talk two weeks on that. Today is week number one of the two-week part of this, uh, the blessed hope. And next week, we're going to go even deeper. So we have some to share this morning, and then we're going to do a part number two to uh, the blessed hope. And uh, we will get deeper next week than what we're going to be doing this week right here. In this service, the end, we are digging into the, the Word of God to give us insight about the end of time, the last days, the second coming of Jesus, and uh, the end of our world. We are digging into the Scriptures. Now, I need to tell you that we are going to be doing more than usual with the Scriptures in this particular series. And the main reason for that is it's important to me that you will see through the Bible, through the Bible, not through the Assemblies of God, not through a pastor, not through a local church, but we're talking about the Bible. You will see through the Bible, what we are basing all of these last days on. What we're talking about here, you're going to find that it really is being uh, connected with the Scriptures, with the Word of God. So I just want to encourage you to understand that we're, we don't normally do a lot of Scriptures, but in the, this particular series, I feel convicted to do that. So... Um, besides personal studies, I'm pulling some help again uh, from many different resources. I can't do this on my own. I need some thoughts and input. So I have a couple of thoughts. I have a couple of insight from different pastors and friends of mine. AG, our Assemblies of God doctrine. We're an Assembly of God church. I'm using some of their stuff. Uh, Jack Hafer, Jimmy Davis, Craig Rochelle, Hodges, uh, the whole gamut. Uh, John Carter. Um, all, all, of, all of these people have something that they speak into my life. And I just love, and I don't mind giving them credit for all of the things things that I may say with all of that as well. So Jesus is speaking to his disciples about the last days, and they ask him a question. You'll find here, they ask him a question in, in uh, Matthew 24, beginning of verse 3, and it says, now as he sat at the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, tell us when these things are, will be, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming at the end of age, is what they said. So in other words, their two questions were simple, but it was a good question. Both of them were. Uh, when are these things going to happen, and what's going to be the sign? And Jesus makes it very clear. There's going to be many signs, and there are many signs. There's a lot of signs, continuously, and in the past as well. So what, what, are, what are the signs going to be? And then Jesus responds to all of that, and he says in Matthew 20, uh, 24, verse 36, and he says, but on that day, but of that day or hour, no one knows. Not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only, is what Jesus says. But my Father only. Today, I want to talk to you about the rapture, the rapture of the church, which is called the blessed hope. It is called in the scriptures, the blessed hope. Now, listen, I don't know what you think about the rapture. Maybe some of you have never heard that terminology before. You're going to learn some stuff this week and next week. Again, we'll go deeper next week, but you're going to learn, learn some stuff about this. I don't know what you think about the rapture, but to me, it is just so unbelievably in, incredible that God has, has 
so much forward thinking that he would, he would come up with this as a way of ending this world as we know it, filled with the sin and debauchery and all the things that are going on in our world. And yet, at the same time, he would be able to rescue those who would choose to believe him, who would choose to follow him. It's just incredible to me that God, God would do something as glorious. And listen, if this doesn't tell you, then there's something wrong with you. And that is, God has a plan for your life. And if you don't believe that God has a plan for your life, you may be very ignorant, or you could just be determined that I don't want anybody to have a plan for my life. I want to do it my way. And if that's going to be the case, good luck. But anyhow, the fact of the matter is, is that God has this amazing plan. And if he has an amazing plan for our exit out of this life and out of the sin of this world, then God must also have a plan for Randy Chiz and for you, however, wherever you may be in your, in your walk with God. So, um, crossing all denominational lines, crossing all denomination, de- denominational lines, there are no disagreements about the return of Christ in his second coming. No disagreements. All denominations believe that Jesus is coming again. We all believe that. All hands down. Everybody believes that. Um, But Jesus himself says, um, he says, his return to the earth will be with great power and great glory and great judgment and fear. And that there will be nothing that will compare to the triumphal entry of Jesus Christ back into this world. He is coming again. Give me an amen. He is coming again. He is coming back to this world. Pastor John Carter says these words. He says, the day of the Lord is a day of great terror, a day of great trouble for which all the nations of the earth shall be trodden underfoot by the hand of God. Did you hear what I said? Did you hear what John said? Let me read it to you again. All the nations of the earth shall be uh, trodden underfoot by the hand of God. It's going to happen. In which, in which, all the wrath and the anger of God that is stored up against the sinfulness of men will be poured out on uh, on Gentile nations in a minute, in a moment. It's going to happen. I say it again. It talks about the fact that stored up against the, uh, uh, the wrath of God, stored up against the sinfulness of men, will be poured out on the Gentile nations in an instant, in a moment, in a second that's going to happen. And Jesus says that when he appears, Jesus says when he returns, then all the tribes of the earth are going to mourn. They're going to mourn. When, when they see this happening, when they see the Son of God coming, and what happens to us, we're going to learn about that today and next week, but what happens to us, when they see all of that taking place, the, uh, Jesus says they're going to mourn. They're going to mourn the fact that Jesus has come, that Jesus is here, that he's going to be with us. So when Jesus appears, when Jesus returns, then all the tribes of the earth will mourn when he comes with great power and great, with great glory. Why? Because they're doomed. They're doomed. Today we're getting away with just about anything we want to get away with. But there's going to come a day when it's going to end. We're going to talk about this today and next week as well. It's going to change. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 30, it says these words. Matthew said, Jesus says that the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. They will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power. And with great glory, across the board, across all denominational boards, we all agree, we all agree that Jesus is coming back and there will be a horrific day of judgment that will take place 
following his return as for all of those who are left behind. Give me an amen. amen. This is what the Bible says. This is what the word of God says. It says to us that Jesus is, is coming back a second time. A couple of little stats for you guys. I got more in just a moment. Craig Rochelle says these words. He says 20 to 25% of all prophecies recorded in the Bible directly are related to the end of days. That's a lot. 20 to 25% of all prophecies recorded in the Bible are directed, uh, directly related to the end of days. Another thing uh, uh, Craig says, he says that five times more prophecies of Jesus' second coming than there were of his first coming. That's how important this is. This is why we got to get it. We've got to understand it. Although all, all denominational lines agree on the second coming of Christ, all of us agree on that, not all of us agree on, on, on the rapture and in particular when it will happen. There's conflict in that. There's challenges with some of that. Generally, there are three different beliefs uh, about the rapture's timing. The debate uh, that we're dealing with in this little bit of a debate, I want, I want to just share these thoughts with you. Um, there are three different areas, three different belief systems that the church has, whoever the church is, you know, those who are believers and followers of Jesus, that's who I'm talking about, the church. And these are the three things. Number one is pre-trib, then there are those who believe in the mid-trib, and then there are those who believe in the post-trib. Let me explain it to you. For those who believe in the pre-trib, which is us, we here at Word of Life, we the Assemblies of God, we believe in pre-trib. In other words, we believe... We believe that before the great tribula tribulation begins that Jesus is going to catch us away and take us right to heaven. We believe that. Give me an amen if you believe that as well. And, and uh, we, we believe it not because we're assemblies of God, but we see it within the word of God. I want to make that clear to you. Secondly, there are those who are with the mid-trib, those believers, those Christians who truly love Jesus, truly love God, but their conviction is, is that they believe that uh, it, it will happen mid-trib. And what that means is that they believe the rapture is going to happen about three and a half years into the seven-year great, horrific, terrible, great uh, end times. And then there are those who believe in the post-trib, and they are the ones who believe, again, these are godly people who love God, but they see it in the scriptures this way, and they're choosing to believe that, and that's, that's fine too. Uh, they believe that the churches are, is, will, get rep, uh, will get raptured at the end of the tribulation. That doesn't sound too exciting to me. Oh, and, and one more. There's one more here. There's the pan-trib. I don't know if you know, have ever heard about the pan-trib. It's for those who don't know what to believe, so they think that it will all pan out pan out in the end, is what they're, they're believing, is what they're thinking. So um, maybe that will happen. I'm not too sure about this. But this much we know for sure, 100%, Jesus is coming again. Jesus is coming again. Come on, say it with me, would you? Jesus is coming again. And that is absolutely the greatest news that we could possibly hear, which at the very least uh, would give us three reasons to put hope in his second coming and his soon return. This is good news that we're going to be talking about. I'm going to be going to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 a lot of times this week and next week. I'm going to try to change up the translations, different, different translations being saying the same thing about it, but I just thought it would do you well to hear what what different translations talk about in these, the words that they use that may connect with you in a better way. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18, the New Living Translation says, says this. It says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died so that we will not grieve like people who have no hope. For since... 
We believe that Jesus died and raised, was raised again. We also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? Should the rapture happen this afternoon? It could. I'm serious. It could happen this afternoon. If this should happen this afternoon, then everyone who has died before you, who you know and love, you know that they, they are Christian. You know they gave their life to Jesus. The Bible says, the, the, Jesus, uh, Paul is telling us here that um, those who have died, they're gonna, we're going to meet together again. More of that in just a couple of moments. Now, where was I? Oh, it was 1 Thessalonians chapter 13 in verse 8. And it goes on to say, we also, God will bring them back, uh, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. We too will, uh, we, we tell you this directly from the, from the Lord, that we who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet uh, him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of call of God. First the believers who have died, listen, first the believers who have died will rise from their graves. Incredible. It is, to me, it is incredible. Maybe you're used to that kind of stuff. I'm not used to it. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the, on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we, will, uh, then we will be with the Lord forever. So encourage one another, encourage one another with these words. This brief passage is the most direct and clear teaching on the rapture found in the entire New Testament, found throughout all of the Bible. This is so complete. And these verses, um, and, and, and these verses in these verses, it, it, uh, it only speaks to believers. Now, it's only the believers who are both living and dead who are going to be experiencing this. No one else. No, no one else is going to be experiencing this kind of thing. So let me give you a little bit of insight in, around this particular subject here just for a moment before we go deeper. In these verses, it only speaks about believers. Again, it only speaks about believers, both the living and the dead. And nothing is said about the wicked seeing Christ at this particular time. So when we get raptured, when the believers get raptured and we're seeing the Lord, no, the world isn't seeing them. They're, they're not going to see what we're seeing. In fact, we would just be gone. I mean, it's, it's just going to, it's going to happen, something like that. And, and uh, nothing is said at all about Jesus' feet as well touching the earth. There's going to be a time when his foot will touch the earth, but it's not going to be during the rapture. It won't happen at that, at that particular time. So um, he is, uh, and since he told the disciples that he was coming back, just so you know, the, the, the people of that day anticipated that when Jesus would return, it was going to be immediately that it was going to be immediately, that, that what Jesus was talking about in a matter of just a few years, more than likely, even probably less than that, they were thinking that Jesus really is going to, to return, come back to life. But it didn't happen like that. That was back in 50 AD. And it's back in 50 AD where the Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Thessalonia, and he's talking to them about all of this because, because they were freaking out that their family are dying before Jesus had returned. Now, the people who were there with Jesus when he was here on the earth. And they saw all of this. They experienced all of this. They saw the miracles and signs and wonders. They were experiencing Jesus in a way that we could only dream of and hope for. Well, he left. He supernaturally left before them. He, we did about that. We talked about that in week number one. But as, as, as uh, they're standing there and now all of a sudden Jesus is, is ascended into heaven and he said he's coming back again, they're anticipating that he would come back immediately. And so consequently, now the Apostle Paul is, is taking charge and, um, 
and wants them to no longer be filled with fear. Fear that their family and friends are going to miss out on Jesus' return. So the Apostle Paul writes to the Thessalonian church so that they would know of the Lord's plan, of the Lord's return. So that's why we have one uh, Thessalonians, the, the, the book to the, uh, to the Thessalonians on all of this. Um, Craig Rochelle gives us three, three reasons to hope in, the, in Jesus' return. I want to use a little bit of what he's done and give him a little bit of my own as well. So three reasons why we would believe uh, uh, for his return and we would have hope. Number one is the return. These all begin with an R, so we're going to talk about three different R's. That is number one. Number one is the return. The return that Christ is coming back again. Go with me to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. And we're going to begin at verse, uh, we'll begin at verse one through three. John said, Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. Do you believe in God? Believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. So Jesus is saying right here, take it to the bank, man. Take it to the bank. Jesus says, I'm coming back again. I mean, he makes it very clear, multiple times, multiple, multiple times in the scripture, he's coming back again. Yes, Jesus is coming back, and that should give us this deep sense of anticipation that he's coming back. He is coming back. We're going to talk more about this. Last week's message was pretty tough. This week, I'm pretty excited about what we're dealing with. Next week, I can't wait as well, because I think that this is taking us to a new level. Uh, He's coming back, and he's coming back with great power and great glory. 2 Timothy chapter 4, 2 Timothy chapter 4. And it says these words, verse 8, it says, in the future there is laid up, this is what Paul is saying, in the future there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, on that day, and not only to me, but to, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Last week we talked about that. We've talked about it for three weeks now, about being ready. We need to be ready. He's coming again. He's going to just show up like a thief in the night does. You don't know when they're coming. We don't know exactly when Jesus is coming. But, and in fact, he, Jesus with his own lips says, I don't even know when he's coming. Only the Father knows. So we need to have that anticipation. We need to be a people that are longing for his return. For those who long for the Lord's return, there, the Bible says, there is a crown of righteousness for you in heaven, is what the word of God says. That's what the Apostle Paul tells us. There is a crown for us in heaven. So honestly, honestly, I have a little bit of fear with that. When I hear about the fact that we're going to be receiving crowns and all that stuff, I have a bit of a hesitation. And the reason why I have a bit of a hesitation is because I don't think there's, uh, I'm, I'm afraid that there may not be that many who are going to receive the crown that Paul is talking about. And the reason is, the reason is, is because they are just so in love with this world. I'm talking about Christians. I'm talking about believers and followers. I, and I want to let you know, I love my world. I, I love, I love this world. I love my wife. I love my kids and all of that stuff. I love my Corvette, and I love my Harley Davidson, and is that okay for your pastor to do that? But anyhow, I get it. I understand it. I really do. Um, I, really, I really do believe that, but if the fact of the matter is, is that um, we can't love this world more than we love God. He has to be number one. Some people are so in love with this world they just can't imagine not having this world because they put so much hope into this life. 
We have so much of, of the challenges we face in life. We are, we are hoping against hope that somehow or another this is going to change and this is going to be better rather than God. Rather than God intervening on your behalf and helping you through whatever it is that you're going through. And I can understand this. I can understand for some of you who may be here and you're engaged and you're wanting to get married and then you've been engaged now for 13 months and you've got about another month and, and uh, you are praying like crazy. You're, you're virgin. You can't wait to be with your, your virgin and, and, uh, and, and your prayer is, oh God, please, if you have any mercy, would you have mercy on, on me? Just give me? Just give me about another month or two so that I can be with my wife, my bride. I, uh, well, let's move on. You're not getting where I'm going with all of that. But anyhow, go with me to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. And it says this, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on the things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Come on, man. This is what the scripture says. It says, set your minds on the things above and not on earthly things. It's not only about this earth. It's partly about this earth, but it's not only about this earth. For you have died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is, the, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. In Titus chapter 2, Titus chapter 2, beginning at verse 11, and it says this, For the grace of God has appeared that, that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, um, upright, uh, upright and godly lives in, the, in this present age. Uh, while, while we wait for the blessed hope that the appearing of the glory of, of our great God and Savior, Christ, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Eager to do what is good. This, generation's need, this generation needs to be focused on heaven and not on this world. We need to be focused on what God has in store for us for all of eternity as well. The second coming of Jesus, he is not going to be coming back to die on a cross. No, when Jesus comes back this second time, he's coming as a lamb and as a lion, and he will judge, the Bible says, the living and the dead. Amen. At some point in the near future, and only God knows, only God knows, that Jesus is coming to put a stop to all the nonsense that's on this earth. All the cursing and swearing, all the stealing and rape, all of the murder and, and, and death, all of the greed and envy, all of the prejudice and immorality that dominates this world. Jesus is coming to put an end to all of the sin once and for all. Come on, say an amen. In case you didn't hear me, Jesus is coming to put an end to all the sin once and for all. Amen. Come on, church. Since Scripture does not contradict itself, it seems reasonable to conclude that there are passages in the Scriptures that would, be that would be describing Christ coming for his people. For his people. In 1 Thessalonians, verses 16 and 17. For, verses 16 and 17. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, and with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Listen to this, listen to this. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. The scripture tells us that obviously there is a place where God is saying that he is coming for his people. And there's also that, that there are passages that are describing Christ's return coming with his people. This one is in, in, incredible. Coming with his people to execute judgment 
uh, is found in the book of Jude, in Jude chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. And it says these words, Enoch, who lived in the seventh generation after Adam, after Adam prophesied about these people. He said, listen, the Lord is coming with countless thousands of his holy ones. Did you hear that? We're, he's talking about us. The Lord is coming with countless thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment on the people of the world. He will convict every person of all ungodly things that they have done and for the insults that ungodly sinners have spoken against him, against God. I believe it is scripturally correct to assume the intervening period between Jesus coming for his people and people co and Jesus coming with his people between the two, between the two is the time when the world will be under the cataclysmic, the dreadful, the horrific wrath of God against all sinfulness, against all sinfulness of men and, his un, uh, and their unrepentant heart who reject God's love and reject God's grace and reject God's, God's salvation, which leads us to point number two. Point number two is the rapture. The rapture, which means, it means this, that the living and the dead believers are going to be taken away. The living and the dead believers are going to be taken away. Go with me to, to the scripture, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 again. Come on, we're going through this. Got to learn. I want you to see it in the scriptures. Verse 13, brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you will not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. So we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him according to the Lord's word we tell you. That we who are still alive, we who are still alive are left until the coming of the Lord will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. Paul is speaking to believers. He is speaking to believers. When Jesus returns, those of us, those of us who are alive will not precede those who have fallen asleep. It will not happen that way. The scriptures declare that in the midst of the confrontation of judgment and of sin and of, 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 of the sinner is in the day of the Lord. In other words, there is a blessed hope. There is a blessed hope for all of us. I don't know about you, but Randy Chiz, I have had sin in my life, and every now and then I still do sin. Anybody else do that? Yes? No? I think we all do, every one of us. And the scriptures are wanting us to know that there is a blessed hope for us. We have a hope because we have a faith and a trust in the living God for what he has done for every one of us. And we need to believe that. We need to understand that what God has in store for every single one of us, there is a blessed hope. Again, 1 Thessalonians 4, 16. And it says these words, verse 16. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a, with a loud command and with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet uh, call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first, is what the scripture says. This is amazing. This is miraculous. This is supernatural. This event ex exhibiting all of God's great grace and all of God's great glory for each and every one of us. It is absolutely incredible to me. Give me an amen if you would, please. <clears throat> and it declares that the Lord will descend from heaven with a shout. It says the Lord will descend from heaven with a, with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel Michael and the trumpet call of God. Now, I know that this sounds a little bit weird, but after we are raptured, once we are raptured, we're finding that now there's going to be another work that is going to be taking place. And that is that, that there will be an instant in cemeteries all over the world 
that many of those graves will just burst open, burst open at that particular moment. I want you to think about that. Think about that. All of a sudden, at a particular time in human history, God has a plan for those who have gone on before us. We all have someone that we know and love so very much who have passed. And there's going to be a moment, there's going to be an instant that the cemeteries all over the world, many of those graves will just burst open at that particular moment. And it will be incredible for those who have put their faith in Jesus while they were on, on earth, who would dare to believe, who would dare to believe that Jesus is the Lord, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and he is the leader of their one and only life. So those dead and decomposed and decayed and cremated bodies are going to burst through the grave. And they're going to burst through the grave with a, with a new glorified body. The scripture talks about a new glorified body that Jesus himself had after he rose from the dead. Once he rose from the dead, this, this glorified body is now going to be the same for you and I when he rose from the dead. In Romans chapter 8, verse 11, it says these words, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you and in me. This all will happen by the power of the Holy Spirit. It is God doing a work that is unbelievable for your and my rescue. But there will be, there, uh, uh, they will be rising first. Um, they will be rising first. And if that's not enough for you, then of course, you and I are going to be raptured next. You and I, you and I are, are going to be uh, able to trust Jesus in a way as we never had before. I don't know if you've ever thought about, about the, the rapture and what that's going to look like for those of us who are here. I mean, it's, it's a, a wild thought. It's a little bit crazy. But each of us who have trusted Jesus as Savior and Redeemer and Rescuer, bam, all of a sudden, we're going to go. Again, 1, one uh, Thessalonians 4.17, I read it again, and it says, And after that, we who are, are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. We too will be caught up together with the dead. That is mind-boggling. We too will be caught up together with the dead. We will all meet him together. The dead in Christ, as well as for those of us, if we're, if we're still here, those who are alive in Christ. Together we will meet the one who has saved us and rescued us and redeemed us. And Jesus tells us, be ready. You need to be ready for this. You need to be looking for this. You need to be thinking about this. You need it not just only every six, seven years that I do a series like this, but you need to be doing this every day. Every day a thought needs to be coming into your mind. This isn't going to last forever, God. Sooner or later you're going to come. Sooner or later this world is going to be gone and you're going to make a new heaven and a new earth and I get to be a part of all of that. You and I need to understand that this is going to happen. Jesus tells us, be ready, be ready. He will come as a thief when we're totally unexpecting him to show up. Go with me to Matthew chapter, Matthew chapter 24. Go with me. I want to read to you some versions. By the way, they're not, th th this is not in your notes as far as I know. I made a mistake on this, so I'm going to just read it to you. <laughs> it says in Matthew 20, 24, verse 39, it says, As it was in the days of Noah, <clears throat> and they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them away. That's how it is. That's how it will be with the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field, and one will be taken, and the other will be left. 
Two women will be grinding with a handmill. One will be taken and the other will be left. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not, you do not know uh, what day your Lord will come. But understand this, that if the owner of the house had known what time the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would have not allowed his house to be broken into. So you must be ready. So you must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you are not expecting him, is what the Word of God declares to you and I. It can happen today. It could happen this coming week. It could happen at any time. We need to be ready. We need to be prepared. And here is God, his fair warning to all. And he says over and over again, dealing with this subject, you need to be ready. You need to be ready for this. It could happen literally at any time. A couple more stats on this. One out of, out of 30 verses in the entire Bible is about the end times and Jesus' return. I say it again. 30, uh, one out of 30 verses in the entire Bible is about the end of times, the return of Jesus. Another stat, 23 of 27 of the New Testament books talk about the return of Jesus and the end. Last stat today is there are three times more prophetic scripture on the second coming of Jesus than there ever was on his first coming. More than on his first coming. Jesus is coming again. And it could happen at any time. And when it does, when it does in our context in 2019, what that's going to look for us, according to the scriptures that I just read to you, because Jesus used a similar, uh, a similar illustration. So maybe some of this is going to happen to you at this time. Maybe it's going to happen to some of us, either on the good side of this or on the bad side of us. Two people in an office together. And boom. Boom. One is gone, and the other is left behind. About what Jesus just said a few moments ago that I just read to you. Two people, two college students, sitting at Starbucks. Boom, all of a sudden, one is gone, and the other is left behind. Family having dinner together. Boom, three are taken, and two are left behind. Students on a sports bus. Boom, all of a sudden, six are taken, and 13 are left behind. Churchgoers. Churchgoers gather together wherever they may be. They're gathering together, and while they're talking, all of a sudden, boom, seven, seven of them are taken, and one is left behind. And Jesus says, he says with that illustration, he uses that, because you need to be ready. It doesn't matter what day or time of day or where you may be. It could happen at any time. Do not miss this. Do not miss what Jesus is saying here. Do not miss this. Point number three, the reunion. The reunion. The believer will be with God forever. The believer is going to be with God forever. Can, can you imagine? I have a little bit of an advantage to be thinking about eternal things because as most of you know, our oldest son died three years ago. And I've never been in heaven more than I have been in these last three years. And I don't necessarily mean physically or with some vision or anything. Um, but I'm talking about within the scriptures over and over again. The greatest thing that we could ever imagine that would happen to us is that we would be with God forever in heaven and be with our loved ones and our family and our friends. And God is making a way for every one of us to do that. It is incredible to me, the reunion. It's when the believer would, would be with God forever. 1 Thessalonians 4. I know you're getting tired of hearing that, but let me read it to you again from 16 through 18. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. 16 through 18, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds and meet the Lord in the air. 
and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Comfort one another. All this will be beyond our wildest imaginations. One way or another, every human being is going to see God. Every human being will have a glimpse of who God is and all that he has had in store for every single one of us. And for you and me as believers, whether they're dead now or whether we're alive now, we are going to see the Lord. There will be an instant, an instant that all of a sudden you're going to hear a shout. You're going to hear a shout that's going to be unlike anything you've ever heard before. You're going to hear, you're going to hear a shout, something beyond you would ever imagine that you would hear. Along with the shout of God, there, there's going to be the, the shout of the voice of an archangel, Gabriel, Michael. I, I don't know who it's going to be, but there's going to be the voice of the archangel along with the trumpet blasts of God. And in the midst of that, Jesus is going to begin to descend. All of a sudden, we're going to realize in an instant, in an instant, we who are alive and are remaining, we're, we're, we're going to understand that there's something that, are happen- that is happening in the heavenlies. The dead in Christ and those who are alive in, who are alive in Christ, they're, they're going to see Jesus face to face. In that particular moment, in that particular day, it's, it's going to be we will see Jesus face to face. Again, can you imagine? To have a personal escort into heaven by the Son of God himself with the archangels Michael and Gabriel. With new glorified bodies is what we're going to have. As this moment is taking place, this transition is taking place, the rapture is happening. As all of this is taking place, we're going to have new glorified bodies. And then you will have opportunity to be with your, with your deepest of relationships of family and friends who are believers that have gone on before you. In an instant, this is going to happen. In an instant, these things are going to be taking place. With those of every generation, all the saints from heaven together, we're going we're gonna to meet them all in this, this instant. It's, it's, gonna, it's just going to happen. I don't know about you, but I can't wait to meet David. I can't wait to meet Moses and the Apostle Paul. I can't wait to be with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. In case you don't know, look up Daniel chapter 3. You'll know who it is. My God, I can't wait for those days, much less to say about my son and my family and those who I know and love so very much. And we will be with the Lord forever. Just so you know, we will be with the Lord forever. That means no more pain or suffering. No more heartache or sin. There'll be no more brokenness. No more disease. No more sickness. No more poverty. There'll be no more starving children. Guess what? Convoy of Hope is gone. We don't need Convoy of Hope anymore. They do a great work. They really do a great work, but it's going to be changed. No more will children be starving. No more will there be broken hearts and divorce and loneliness and death. Because God himself, the Bible says, will wipe away all of our tears. All of our tears will be wiped away from God, with God forever, the Bible says. God tells his apostles, comfort one another with these words. 1 Thessalonians 4.18 talks about that. I've read that enough, so we'll leave that for now. So what do we do? What's the application to all of this? I want to close by going into 1 Corinthians chapter 15, one of my favorite, one of my favorite uh, 
chapters in all of the Bible. 1 Corinthians um, verse 15, verses 51 and 52, and it says these words, listen. This is what Paul says under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. We will be changed. Paul is saying in a flash, our physical bodies will return to our spiritual bodies, those who have died and gone on before us, and we will no longer be mortal beings. We will be immortal, and it will be instant. We will be immortal instantly. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 53 through 57, and it says these words, For the perishable must clothe, clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying which is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, but the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, give the Lord a round of applause. He's a good God. Death is swallowed up in victory. The greatest victory in the history of humankind has been given to us all of this amazing victory, not because of religious efforts that we've made, not because of our own good works that we've tried to do over the years. The victory comes through Jesus Christ alone and what he has done for us on the cross. The third and final scripture I'm giving you is 2 Corinthians 15, 58. And it says these words, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Be ready. Stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Stand firm and let nothing move you. Would you stand with me to your feet, please? Would you stand with me? Two things I want to do right now. Number one, I want to Make an opportunity for those of you who may be here for the first time, second time, or maybe you've come here never really knowing God ever. And maybe just maybe today you're sensing something. You're sensing something you've never sensed before. Listen, it's not about us. I believe it's God who is, who is moving on you right now in a special way. Would you please all just bow your heads and close your eyes just for a moment. If you're here today, and maybe, just maybe, you want, you want to make a move toward God. I want to challenge you today. I want to let you know that what God wants to do in your life, this is very simple. There's, this is not a hard thing to do. Giving your life over to God. You're not, you're not making promises to my church, Word of Life Church. You're not, this is not about the church. This is about you and God, my friend. This is about you, who you are, your name, who you are, what you do with your life. This is between you and God is what I'm talking about. And what God does for you and I is that we could, we could just come into a relationship with him with just some couple of simple steps that we would have to take. So again, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I, I just want to give you an opportunity to do that because I don't want to embarrass anybody. But if you want to choose to believe in Jesus, to follow him, to follow him, it's very simple. I want to lead you in a prayer. And I, it's going to be a choice that you're making. If you would like to give your life to God, I want to lead you with a, a prayer, and I want you to repeat this simple little prayer with me. And as you do, I'm telling you, my friend, your whole life is going to change before your very eyes because it happened to me back in 1971, and it can happen for you. 
So I'm going to pray this prayer, this simple prayer. And if you're receiving Jesus, I want you to pray it along with me. And I want you to pray it aloud, or you can whisper it, or you can move your lips, or you can even say it in your mind. I don't care how you talk to God, but you talk to God about this. Say this prayer with me, if you would. Dear Lord Jesus. Come on, say it again. Dear Lord Jesus. I admit to you that I've done wrong. And I ask you to forgive me of my sin. Just say that. And I ask you to forgive me of my sin, God. I want you to come into my life. I want you to be in charge of my life. And I want you to become the Lord and leader of my life. Come on, say that to him. I want you to become the Lord and leader of my life. And Jesus, I thank you for forgiving me of all my sin. While your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, I want you to say it one more time. Whisper it to God. I thank you for forgiving me of all my sins because your sins are forgiven you, my friend. Whatever the weight of sin was on you when you walked into this room, you can now have it completely gone because your Father of Heaven has forgiven you through His Son's shed blood. If you've, keeping your heads bowed and eyes closed, if you have made that decision to follow Christ today, not come to Word of Life Church, but follow Christ, I'm going to ask if you would just hold up your hand. I'm not going to, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. I just want to agree with you on your salvation. So if that's you, on my left side, I'm looking to my left. Is anybody in those rows over there have committed your life to Christ? Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Are there any others over here? Thank you, ma'am. I appreciate it. Are there any others more on this left side coming over here in the back? I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Over here on my right side, if you're committing your life to Christ, give me a little wave on my right side. Over here, far right. Any of you over here? Thank you over here. I appreciate it. So Father God, I'm so grateful for these people who have made a decision to follow you. And we are grateful, God, that you have done this on this Sunday here in their lives. Bless them, I pray, in Jesus' name. Come on, let's give the Lord a round of applause for this. God is good. We're going to close our worship service with one last song. We've got about two minutes, three minutes, and we will let you out of here. We have these people who have been praying since you people came into this building, and they are praying, uh, would want to pray with you if you have a need in any area of your life, no matter what the need may be. You don't need to go into any great detail, but if you can just tell them, if you, maybe there's a sickness or the disease or maybe there's finances, whatever the thing is, if you just let, they'll pray over you. That's all that they'll do, and you can go back into your seat. But we're going to do one last song. I'm going to ask you to hold off before you leave. If you would, just for one, three more minutes. So let's go with that last song.